Father, you've given us an opportunity to come every time to listen to your word in spite of all the uh, hindrances that we may be having, O Lord, to come to your sanctuary. Lord, you allowed us. And because you are here in our midst this evening, because of your word which says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. We believe, Father, that you will minister to us and you will bless us. You will speak to our hearts. Father, you would minister to us this evening through your word. And all of us are your vessels, Lord, beginning from me, even as I share, and all of us, even as we listen and hear, that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to each one of us in this last hour of time. And therefore, we commit and surrender each one of us into your hands. We also pray, Father, for all the brethren who may be on the way. Father, pray, Father, that, Lord, you would make them a, make for them a way that they'll be able to come to the sanctuary, O Lord, in time. We thank you, Father. We praise you. Give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Last few Wednesdays, we've been looking at, and also the last... A uh, few weeks and months we've been studying on preparing, preparing ourselves for the coming of the Lord, that the Lord's day is at hand. And uh, last Wednesday, if you will, we've been looking, we studied about running, uh, running, I mean, chasing shadows and not the substance. Chasing shadows, not the substance. And um, that is, in, in some sense, uh, being engrossed with the temporal and not looking at the eternal. And I, I remember one man of God whom I really adore and who has mentored me through his messages. He once said, he said, every time God gives us an opportunity to come together as a family, to listen to his word, he says, come with preparation, understanding that this is a once and for all occasion that will never be repeated again. It's amazing. That every time we come to the Lord, it doesn't matter what kind of a meeting it is, a small meeting, a bigger meeting, always have this expectancy that we will hear from God, that we will have, God will have something to say to us. And then we will have ears to hear and also the willingness to change. Because God said, these are the children who obey the word of the Lord and do it, and obey it, and, 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 and hear the word of the Lord and obey it. And therefore, every time we come to the Lord, we have to have this consciousness, Lord, I'm here Father, for you, I'm just not even running running behind knowledge or a new revelation. Father, I'm interested in you. I'm running after the substance and not a shadow. Okay, so today I want to look at um, something which uh, has been uh, been meditating on for quite some time. Called uh, this title, this message, the sin of exchange. We'll understand what this is even as we progress. But last time we've been studi- uh, studying at chasing shadows, and we looked at Colossians chapter two, verse sixteen and seventeen. It's sixteen to nineteen. It says, "Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink." See, the kingdom of God uh, is not a matter of eating and drinking. It is righteousness. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is the kingdom of God. Or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. He says that don't don't run after these things. And he says, these are but a shadow of the things to come. But the substance is of Christ. Isn't it? That's a remarkable uh, thing. You know, so most most of us are interested. Let let us try to understand what it means uh, to chase uh, shadows and not substance. When pastor was preaching and uh, last time I, I could remember of one man from the old covenant who really learned to 
che is not a shadow but a substance look at abraham it says abraham chapter uh, sorry abraham in hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 onwards by faith abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going by faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land living in tents with isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Who is there along with him in the tent? It's, it's really interesting. No, I mean, I remember last several years back and uh, several months back when Pastor James was talking about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And even yesterday when I was listening to him, I, could, I remember no, that, that time when it says Abraham was 175 years old when he died. Okay. It was, he was 100 years old when he had Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he, when he got married and 60 years old when he had Jacob and Esau and therefore 15 years we infer from Genesis that it was possible that Abraham was uh, having some kind of a relationship with Jacob and scripture kind of reveals this in the New Testament. You know, that is the reason why Old Testament is the New, New Testament is the Old Testament reveal. It reveals what the hidden truths in the Bible that Isaac and Jacob were along with Abraham in his tents. See, it's remarkable for 15 years. It's there in scripture. Heirs with him of the same promise. And conspicuous in his absence <laughs> is Esau. He's not even there. <laughs> well, both are twins, right? And he's not even mentioned. For why? For he was looking for forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. He was not even looking at the promised land. He was looking for that city. He was chasing not a shadow, but he was looking for a substance, the reality of Christ. It's amazing. I just wanted to just look at this Isaac and Jacob. You know, Genesis chapter 25 was uh, 20, uh, 27 will say, The boys grew up. Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country chasing shadows. <laughs> but you know what? Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. You know why? I want to hear from Abraham. His focus was completely different. He was chasing substance. Of course, his ways were devious in that sense. But, you know, ultimately God did deal with him. But he looked at his heart. You need to understand, God is not looking for perfection. But he's looking at the inclination of our heart. You see? That is the reason why I love that verse in Second Corinthians chapter 8 which says, it is not a, if there be first a willing mind. It is not according to what one has, does not have, but what according to one has. You see, the willing mind is very important. The willingness to listen to God and change and not just to have things from Him, but to have Him Himself. It's remarkable that Jacob was content to stay at home. It's amazing. Are we content today? It's a question for all of us. Godliness with contentment is great gain. To be content with the things of God. When you read, if you read the book uh, Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer, he makes a powerful statement. He says, if you have God and even if you have lost something, because you have God, you have not lost anything. See? 
He who has the son has life. <laughs> he who does not have the son does not have life, but the wrath of God abides on him. It's a remarkable, remarkable warning and exhortation for all of us as to where our focus is in these last days. Very, very important. Very, very important. No. So, so I was, I was trying to, I mean, I, this, this topic was there in my mind for a long time, but today I just wanted to share this with you because if you, we've been looking at, uh, the six, six pillars of, uh, godliness and we looked at, uh, uh, God being manifested in the flesh, justified of the spirit. And there was this one last pillar, it was received up into glory, is the last pillar. We'll not look at glory, that, but I, just something connected to that today. If you read the epistles of Paul, okay, one thing you need to understand, no? This man was a man who was saturated with the scriptures. I've been teaching the book of, uh, Romans or the epistle to the Romans in Gideon society. I, I mean, this is my first time I've been teaching the book of Romans. Okay, first time in my life. Uh, going through an exhaustive study, verse by verse, almost one of the things I have realized in my study, everything that Paul writes in the New Covenant, at least in the book of Romans, he's got several connotations of everything he expresses in the Old Testament. It's as if there is an echo. Several echoes, just not one. You see, he just tries to show us exactly what the condition of our heart is because he's got that depth of understanding of scripture. You need to understand something. When I look at his life, you know, he's, he told Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Right? He said that, and you know, in the last hour of time, he says, just before he's dying, he says, bring me the parchments, bring me the scriptures. You know what he says? I want to die studying. Amazing! What an attitude even till the end of his life. Why? Because even till the end of his life, he wants to make sure that his mind is aligned with the word of God. That he's not chasing a shadow, but he's chasing a a substance and he wants to keep his faith alive. And faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. See that? Therefore, I want to look at one passage, uh, which, which, uh, which, which is in, uh, in, in, in conjunction with the topic that I want to talk today, is found in Romans chapter one, verse twenty onwards. I like the English Standard Version. The entire uh, message today is based upon that. <clears throat> it's verse twenty onwards. He says, "For the invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived." Very simple English. Ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. He's talking about those people who don't, don't obey the, obey the Lord in spite of all the evidence in nature. Look at what he says. For although they knew God, they did not honor, on some translations it uses the word glorify, which comes from the word doxa, and the verb is doxazo. Doxazo is to glorify. The verb form of doxa. Him did not glorify or honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. And then, claiming to be wise, they became fools. Look at this. And what did they do? They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. I mean, this speaks about our generation. 
one of the things that we are we are a generation of images one of the things that we swallowed the lie that we have swallowed is a picture is worth a thousand words <laughs> it's not otherwise in the beginning would have been an image but in the beginning was the word see the exchange the glory of the immortal god for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things doesn't stop there look at what he says Therefore, that's verse 24, Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they, see the next stage, the moment you change the glory, whatever that means, what do you mean by the glory of God? We need to understand what it means today, right? We'll try to understand. If the moment you change or exchange the glory of God for an image, the next step is you exchange the truth of God for a lie. Okay, and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Then, it doesn't stop there. Verse 26. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. You see that? A progression here. A progression. Look at this. First, they exchanged the glory of God to an image Next, they exchange the truth of God for a lie and then they exchange natural relations for things which are unnatural. Oh, of course, he's uh, specifically in that context, he's talking about homosexuality. But let me tell you something. It says in the book of, I mean, Epistle to Timothy, chapter 3, he says, in the last days, men will be lovers of pleasure than lovers of God. They will be set of people without natural affection. You see? And all of it started where? That's the problem. Where did it start? Exchanging the image. Sorry, the glory of God for an image. And what does it mean? What does that mean for us? You know, one of the things you need to understand. When you come to our church, we specialize in sin. (laughs) Okay, okay. Not, not that we specialize in performing sin, but we specialize in understanding what sin is. Okay. It's very, very important. There is a simplicity which is in Christ. But there is also a depth of the riches of the goodness and the grace of God. There's a depth. Okay. Gospel is very simple. But that does not mean that God is very simple. No. Need to understand God, you need all your life. If you can understand the God, understand God, that means you're not worshipping God. You're worshipping an image. Okay? Need to understand. Okay. Therefore, what therefore is the essential characteristic of all sin? You see? You know, we have several definitions. Um, we, we know that sin meaning hamarsha, which misses the mark. We know what transgression is. We know what iniquity is. And we have all those definitions. But what ultimately is the essential characteristic of all sin in the light of what we have read? Paul goes on to explain. You know what he says? 
for there is no distinction in Romans chapter 3 verse 22 the last part in 23 for all have sinned and fall short of what the glory So there is obviously an intricate relationship between what God means by sin and what it means for not giving him glory. What does it mean? You know, Watchman Nee, most of you might have read this book, Watchman Nee, Normal Christian Life is normal for all normal Christians to read. Okay, so I would suggest that you read it. And I've read it several times and some of the brethren in our church also have read it. One of the things which will change the way you think. I've used that a lot in my uh, study for the book of Romans. Look at what he says in, in the book of Normal Christian Life. Watch my name. God's purpose was for man was what? Glory. But sin thwarted the purpose by causing man to miss God's glory. When we think of sin, we instinctively think of the judgment it brings. We invariably associates it, associate it Rather, it with condemnation and hell. Man's thought is always punishment. God's thought is always the glory that we will forfeit. See, you need to understand something. God is a father. Yes, he says, I will share my glory with no carved image. But he did not say that I will not share my glory with you. Because he says in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10, it was his purpose to lead many sons into glory. It was his purpose. See? By the way, you need to understand every time God tried to bring his people out, the first thing when they sinned, they exchanged God's glory. Did you know that? The moment the Israelites come out of, of the land of Egypt, they go to the Mount of Sinai and the law is given. Moses goes onto the top of the mountain and immediately, we don't understand, we don't know what happened to this fellow. Moses. Look at what it says in Psalms 106, which is a beautiful commentary on the book of Exodus. Okay, look at what he says. Psalms 106 verses 19 to 22. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped a metal image. What does that necessarily mean? They exchanged the glory of God for an image of an ox that eats grass. You see that? And immediately, they forgot God, they forgot Moses, and they said, this is our gods. Imagine Aaron, right? What happened? I don't know. Magic. I put the gold came this calf. I don't know. They forgot God. Their savior who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. You see? And by the way, this, this didn't just stay with them in that wilderness. It continued. It became a part of their life. It became a part of their heritage. A heritage of unrighteousness and of, and of sin. Look at what it says in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 11 to 13. He says, has a nation changed it, its gods even though there are no gods? Oh, I mean, it's a remarkable thing. And he says, oh, you heavens, be dumbstruck with this thing. I mean, um, one of the things that I always am not proud of is my Telugu. In spite of the fact that I have a very strong Telugu heritage. My, my father is almost a pundit in... Uh, 
in telugu and uh, he did almost a phd on gurram joshua if you if you don't know some of you who few who don't know gurram joshua is one of the famous telugu poets who's not a brahmin okay he was a believer when he started off and when god gave him success you know what happened he exchanged the success that god gave him and he became an atheist it's amazing what how he forgot he changed the gods amazing i mean it's interesting right and then what happened the subsequent generations his his, his children everybody has become an atheist they be, all became brushed and the kind of poetry that he has written when he was a believer incredible incredible depth of insight and of scripture then he changed see changed let me tell you something the glory of god is a hidden thing it's not ostensible that is the reason why men want glory outside i remember that famous 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 example pastor gives right when you change iit to iti nobody is interested because with iit glory is associated can a nation change its gods even though there are no gods and then what he says he goes on to say but my people what have they changed they have changed their glory for what does not profit be appalled he says oh heavens at this be shocked be utterly desolate declares the lord he says you you fellows all my creation the planets of the earth you will go around the sun 365 days without any fail one law you will obey and you will never protest my my, my children whom i have purchased with my own blood they've exchanged it's amazing that even even paul could not detect the compromise of demas the demas forsakes having loved this present age has forsaken me then he says for my people have committed two evils they have forsaken me first evil see the first evil is a result of every other evil for my people have committed two evils they have forsaken me the fountain of living waters and hewed out cisterns for themselves broken cisterns that can hold no water you see you, you need to understand this something very interesting even when you when you read the book of hagai for example he says you are earning a lot of money but your money is going into a purse with holes you know why exchanged glory your houses are paneled you see you have pariware i mean can you imagine people run after glorified toilets they spend enormous amounts of money on toilets designer toilets a toilet is a toilet i mean i remember when i was a kid no we went for my uncle's wedding very i was probably 3 or 4 years old we went to bangalore for the first time fifth class fourth class sharath man okay we went to our first time i went in my life i went into a five star hotel boy all of all the kids the first time in their life they saw an elevator and the one thing they were doing were never getting out of the elevator they were not getting out of the elevator they were not getting out of another thing called the toilet 
Why are you going to the toilet? There is no water. There is no water. I'm like everybody is looking at each other. And what is this? A glorified toilet. You see, it's beautiful, sparkling. It's amazing. Exactly how we how we have these internet advertisements, right? Or um, advertisements on TV on Paravir. That woman dancing, this glorifying toiletries. Broken systems. That's what he says. You are building your paneled houses, but it, when, when it comes to my house, you don't have time. See, exchange glory. You got your priorities all mixed up. See? You want more, better cars, better, better this thing, better everything. Think about it, no? The first thing that you, that comes to your mind when you get an increment you still haven't got it. You're only promised. Calculations are going on already in your mind. Car ki ad baale do. I want to change. House of God comes last. You see? Question, therefore. Where did it all start? So you need to understand, how do I know that I am exchanging God's glory for something which does not profit. What is the anatomy of it? See, this is same message given in different forms. There's nothing new. Every time you come to church, what will you get challenged? Get your life in order, in some sense. Jesus is coming. But we have to give it in several, several formats. The same format. I mean, same message, different formats. The same thing here. But I'm going to show you something very interesting here. You need to understand, when God gives us an uh, an answer to our situations, the reason why He allows us to come to this kind of a teaching is to show the depth of our own heart. And the reason why He has allowed situations to come into your life is to because to for you to understand the depravity of your own soul. <laughs> you see? That is the reason why he tells in Deuteronomy chapter 8, I caused you to hunger, I led you in this wilderness for 40 years, I caused you to hunger to show you exactly what is in your heart and for that solution I gave you mana. And then I said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I proved to you. But there was one generation which did not take it. But there was another generation which loved the Lord. And therefore Jeremiah says, I remember your love. The love of your espousals. Israel was holiness unto the Lord. And all who went against it, I would judge. There was one generation which loved me. So where did it all start? We need to understand that God puts us into situations and He brings us to GDC and He feeds us with manna and He shows us the depravity of own heart and tells us, you know, the solution to your problems is not a solution, it is God. And we more, more thing, the thing that we always resist is God. I remember uh, one man of God, no, he was he was famous for counseling. One guy came to him and he said, you know what, I have a very troublesome daughter. Teenage daughter, I don't know how to deal with it. A man of God said, I will give you a solution. First of all, are you a Christian? And he said, what has that got to do anything with the problem that I have? He said, do you believe in God? Well, I believe in a supreme being and I heard that you are 
Yes, know him very well and, thought, and I, therefore I came to you uh, so that you'll give me a problem. And he said, you know, no, that doesn't work that way. First of all, you want your teenage daughter to get straightened up, you have to get straightened up first. You have to come to church. And he said, that's not what I was looking for. I was looking for a solution. Many of us are like that. Lord, I'm looking for a solution. Okay. <laughs> but God does not give us a solution, right? He takes us through the situation and shows us what is in our heart. And he says, you don't need a solution, you need me. Okay. 20 years, Jacob. 20 years he realized he needs God. See, you all need. And so many trials and so many situations. So, but where did it all start is a question. Where did it all begin? This exchange of glory. Answer? Genesis for the millionth time. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 onwards. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who also was with her and he ate. So where is God's glory here exchange? You will understand. What, what, what are you trying to say Vijay? What are you trying to tell me? You're trying to tell me that the fall was because Eve exchanged the glory of God for something? So what does it mean to exchange the glory of God for something? What does it mean? I mean, I'm not trying to make some interpretation. I'm just going to get draw a principle out of this. Only a principle. Okay? Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 3. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is what? Christ. Head of wife is her husband. Head of Christ is? So, what's the big deal? He doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, For man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image of the glory of God. But woman is the glory of? Principle. See, that is the reason why when I said glorify, which essentially means to honor, which comes from the word again doxazo, which is again a root word doxa. One of the things Eve should have said, did God really say, she should have said, let me check with my husband. What does it mean then, therefore? What is the inference that we draw from this? Exchanging God's ordained order for our own. That is where the problem starts. That is how we exchange God's glory. Exchanging God's order for our own. You know... Why is this important for us? Recently I went for my convocation, a boring three hour ceremony. Really, it was boring, okay. Boring to the core, except for that few minutes of glory. Okay, few moments of glory. But then the convocation guest speaker was this man called Ronnie Screwala, uh, who made a lot of movies and he gave us interesting talk. So, lot of worldly ideas, but you'll see some principles coming from there. He made a very powerful statement. He said, 
21st century is not the century for competition. It is a century for collaboration. Wow. Interesting, isn't it? We like that. Thank, if, if ever we can implement that in our church. <laughs> it is not competition but collaboration. Things would go on so smoothly. But he made another statement as well. Read that, everybody. The earth is getting flatter. You know what it means? You know what it essentially means? See, we are all equal. There is no hierarchy. Flat. It's there now in, it's the, it's, it's the norm in a lot of universities even in India. I mean, you come to Triple you'll know. Don't call me mother, sorry, call me mother. That's what your supervisor will say. Okay. First time when I was entering into my class, when I was uh, getting trained as a lecturer in a university, I was uh, being uh, mentored by my director. Okay. So when he he's a topmost guy in the in the university. Okay. The, the, the top authority. I mean, he can make your life miserable if he chooses to. Okay. The first class, first semester, first class. Uh, the director enters into the class, 125 classroom, everybody stands up, you know why? Because in schools in India at least we are taught to stand for to give the uh, the teacher that some kind of a respect, right? You know, he makes a very interesting statement. He says the earth is flat. You know what he says? Don't have to give respect to me. Give respect for the subject. It's important for us in this generation. Because we don't think that it is important for us to follow order. God given order. In fact, there is no respect for authority anymore. I'm telling you honestly, you see the difference between a guy who comes from a, from a, from a rural background, a guy who comes from a, a, a city background. The ironical thing of it all, after we finished our convocation, I'm coming with my parents, we want to have lunch, We're entering into the mess, one of our students saw me, a guy from a rural background, he ran up to me and he said, Pailagu sir. I was stunned. Him, simple fellow, he was not throwing, showing Ativinayam Durta Lakshanam, no. You know what it means? No. Simple, honest guy comes and says, Pailagu sir. He just got a smile on his face. He was so happy to see me. Sure, he was missing my classes, of course, you know. <laughs> you see? I'm a love stunned. I said, you know what? You don't see that in uh, the difference between village background and uh, city background. You'll see the other, other say, hi, sir. <laughs> and the other people don't even care. The problem was, I was like that. Because I also thought the earth was flat. You see? You need to understand, there is an Order. See, when you exchange glory, essentially go, you're going against God-ordained order. See? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 to 9. This is the first proverb he has to say, to, sp- to speak to his people, to the children. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And therefore he says, my son, there is order first. You want wisdom, son? There is order. Hear the instruction of your father, especially if he is a godly father. And do not forsake the law of your mother, for there shall be an ornament of grace unto your head and chains about your neck. 
Isn't it amazing? An amazing, amazing thing that Samuel, he hears, we heard that on Sunday, that he hears the voice of God through the voice of Eli, telling us that God himself will not subvert his order. Therefore, he stands, see, this guy understands. God speaks below the high priest. Pradhana Yadakudu. I'm trying to learn the new words in Telugu. He runs to him. Because he understands that God will speak through the high priest. And the ironical thing though is, the high priest himself does not hear from God. Stopped hearing from God. And you know why? 1 Samuel chapter 3, we'll talk about God hearing from Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 3, 0. One, two, three, zero. Easy to remember for all of you. Look at what he says in First Samuel chapter 2 verse 30. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me for those who doxozo me. That's the, that's the, that's the Septuagint. Doxozo me. Those who doxozo me, who gives respect to my order, I will also glorify him. And those who despise my order, I will likely esteem. I don't even smell you, in other words. You're not even important. I don't care if you exist or not, in other words. I don't care. Behold, the days are coming when I will cut off your strength and the strength of your father's house so that there will be no old man in your house. Remarkable. He says, you know, you despise my order. In other words, you're honoring more, you're honoring your, 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 your children more than me. You see, that is the reason why even when we talk about marriage, we talk about working on your marriage. You know what? Even our purpose for working out on marriage sometimes are absolutely what? We are still chasing a shadow but not the substance. You know, Francis Chan in his book, I would suggest all of you to read it. Okay? Okay. Or all of you to at least listen to that message. Living marriage in the light of eternity. This is what he he wrote. A very powerful book. And he says, you know, if you take all the things that Jesus said about marriage, you will see how misunderstood we are about our marriages. We think that marriages is all about us and not about God. You know, remember the first thing the Pharisees come and ask him, can we divorce? First thing about marriage, can we divorce? Are Baba, too difficult? Can we divorce? And then Jesus gives a very, very interesting answer, etc. And the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the disciples say, if this is be the case, it is better not to marry and D, Jesus does not disagree. Interesting. <laughs> he does not disagree. He says, if you can receive it, good for you. Even when we quote Ephesians chapter 5, husbands love your wives, the wives love to quote it. Wives honor your husbands, husbands love to quote it. But I'm not talking about your marriage, I'm talking about Christ and the church. You see, the substance is what? Christ, marriage is just a shadow. And Francis Chan makes a very powerful statement. He says, you know what? There are very good marriages, even in Christendom, but they are useless for God. Excellent marriages, useless for God. 
You know why? Because they forgot the, 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 the reality. The substance has been forgotten and they are running after a shadow. You see? So therefore, even, 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 therefore, even if you, and you know, Jesus makes another statement. If anyone loves father, mother, husband, wife, children, <laughs> more than me. You see, everything, you put everything together, all the verses, I, I did that exercise, okay, I, I put all, I took all the verses that Jesus, Jesus and the apostles spoke about marriage and the picture was completely different even in the Old Testament. You know what it says in the Old Testament? Teach your children this and this and this when you rise up, rise up and you wake up and you sit on the table, etc, etc, etc. So that your days upon earth will be like the days in heaven. Even the one that you are chasing here is still a shadow. The substance is heaven. And we'll get, we are still chasing that. So in the first thing therefore, he says, do you subvert God's order? Do you check? Sunna Krishna says this very interesting statement. You honor process. You honor the man who made the process. There is a process. And there are righteous processes everywhere. And I realized it in my first, what you call casualty in my research journey was first thing, when my paper got rejected for self-plagiarism. I never even thought it existed. And they said, I'm going to blacklist blacklist your name. My professor and I went crazy. (laughs) PhD was at stake. Self-plagiarism. You know what? They, why they rejected my paper? They said, you know what? You did not quote this work even though you were the author of that work because that was another paper. Oh, then we had to go, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. We apologize. We take responsibility. Please don't backlist us, etc. See, there are righteous processes. We'll talk about that in a while. But see, God's order is very, very important. Even Apostle Paul realized it. He was the apostle of all apostles, but he understood it. In one of our interesting episodes, you'll find it in um, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. Look at what it says. And looking intensely with intensity at the council, Paul said, brothers, I have lived before God in all good conscience up to this day. Okay, man, he was preaching and he was showing off, no? And he said, and the high priest Ananias commanded, those who stood by him really, it was as if God was trying to prove to him something, no? Don't boast, <laughs> Paul. Don't boast. <laughs> and the, Ananias, the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. And Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law? And yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck. Oh, then suddenly somebody comes and quickens his so-called conscience. You know, many people think that their order is their conscience. My conscience is my order. God says there is a higher order than your conscience. You see, very important. Those who stood by him said, would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know brothers that he was a high priest. I'm so sorry, 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 sorry. For it is written. You see, every time he says sorry, he's got scripture to back it up. Exodus chapter 22, 23. You shall not speak evil 
of a ruler of your people. He says, because you know what is a law? You say that you are blameless according to the law, right Paul? The law itself says thou shalt not revile against a high priest or your own high priest whom you identify with as a Jew. moment Paul acknowledges his sin, you know what happens? Instinctively, you know what? The moment you come under God-ordained authority, the wisdom of God will come into your life. That is the reason why it says, Jesus went and subject himself voluntarily to his parents and he grew in the wisdom of God, in favor with God and favor with man. What will you find? Wisdom with God, favor with? What you will find? Favor with man and God. Immediately, next. Look at what he says. Now when Paul perceived that one part of the Sadducees and the other part were Pharisees, wisdom agyavi. He cried out in the council, brothers! <laughs> He's not even saying I'm a Jew. I'm a Pharisee, Pharisee brother. The son of the Pharisees. It is with respect to hope and the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial. You know, immediately what happens and when they, when he had said this, he found favor with the Pharisees. A dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the assembly was divided for the Sadducees have a TV program called It Is Not Supernatural. <laughs> it is certainly not supernatural. <laughs> okay, <laughs> If they would have a TV program, they said, for the Sadducees said there is no part in resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledged them all. Then a great clamor arose and some of the scribes of the Pharisees, party stood up and contended sharply. We find nothing wrong in this man. Whatever spirit or an angel spoke. And you know what happens later. You see, how incredible it is. You know, something I I really understand from all of this is, boy, there is incredible safety in God's order. Safety. You get out of God's order, boy, you are asking for big trouble. The point here is, it is not whether you are right or wrong. The many people say, what if I am right? <laughs> that is not the point here. Paul was absolutely right. See, the point is not whether you are right or wrong. The point is whether you will come under God's order or not. You see, that's the principle. Otherwise you exchange God's glory. Then, what is the next exchange? Exchange God ordained process for our own. See that? Everybody? God ordained process for our own. Where do we find this? We find this in Luke's gospel chapter 4, verses 5 to 8. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, you know what he said? To you I will give all this authority and what? Their glory. There is a glory associated with the world, you see. Their glory. There's a glory. Boy, what eyes should Jesus should have had? Think about it. Now you're walking on the streets of New York or maybe Chicago and you're looking left, right, left, right, mountains called skyscrapers. They call them skyscrapers. Boy, you'll say, boy, that is what Nebuchadnezzar said. This is this not Babylon that I have built immediately went. There's a glory associated with the world. Think about it, no? All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride. What is it? All that is in. Think about it, no? Will I ever consider my degree? 
useless. Think about it. I'm just using my own example because I don't want to use your example. Just for personal to me. Will I, will I say, Lord, this is honor. Look at it. You see, they're all placard people, no? They're glory. There's a glory. Will you say there's no glory in having the mind of Albert Einstein? Think about it. No, no glory. No glory in the ability of Usain Bolt. No glory. No glory in the abilities of Michael Phelps. Think. Don't we associate glory with the accomplishments that we have in this world? We do. We do. We have to be honest with about it. I'm not saying that we should downplay that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about trusting in that for us to, to save us. For it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. For you then will worship me and it will be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and only him you shall serve. You know what it means? Exchange God's processes for our own. Means, take the shortcut. And you will always have this situation in your life and God will allow it time and time again to see if you will cut corners. Every time. Every time. Satan left him for an opportune moment and he came through... Peter, far it be, far this be from the from you, Lord. When he, the moment he talked about the process of God, Luke's Gospel, chapter twenty-four, verse twenty-four to twenty-seven. Some of those, this is essentially on the road to Emmaus. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as a woman had said, but him they did not see. This is talking to the uh, talking to Jesus himself. Their eyes were shut. Okay. And then you know what he says? He says, "Oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets." Have spoken, was it not necessary that Christ should suffer, suffer these things and what? Then enter into glory. You see? And beginning with Moses. See, you'll, you'll understand, we'll, we'll, we'll get this in a world. We will suffer in the world. You know, remember our, our own Hyderabadi lady won the badminton silver medal and we are all proud of one silver. Okay. And then, you know what she said? Now, after three months of all this that I went through, I'm going to have ice cream, I'm going to have yogurt, I'm going to have chocolate, and I'm going to spoil myself. See? See, there is suffering in the world. But that suffering is only temporary. Because the the moment you get the glory in the world, you'll forget that suffering. It'll go for a toss. But the suffering in the kingdom is different. Yes, the suffering is totally different. I mean, even Michael Phelps, remember, the most decorated Olympian, after he finishes, he goes and has Mirwana. Unbelievable. I mean, you see many, many athletes. I mean, today I was seeing one, one famous uh, NFL player caught on the, he was a retired NFL player who was a multi-millionaire. He was caught with drugs in his hands, in his Backyard naked. Amazing how people do it in for the for things in the world. But he's not talking about that. He's saying, you know what? There is something in the process that God God may not give us a lot of things, but in the process He builds us. You know, you know. When you come to 
come through the follow through the process of God. No, for example, you know, discipline. For example, discipline intense suffering. No, he says, be disciplined. Meaning, Abigail, clean up, clean up your room. I give give this example. Clean up your room. I'll give you ice cream. Abigail cleans up the room and gets ice cream. But you you need to understand, cleaning up your room has got nothing to do with ice cream. But one thing is there. The moment she succumbs to the process of discipline, the discipline itself becomes a blessing. Later in her life. There is a process. There is a process for all of us. You know, God is wants matured sons and therefore he is going to put us through the ringer. Put us. He will crush us. It says in Isaiah 53, it was the will of the Lord to crush him and it was also the will of the Lord to prosper him. But between the, between the, before the prosperity, there is always a crushing. And all of us, all of us in different ways will be crushed by God. As a, there is no shortcuts. That's what it means. There are no shortcuts. Look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 6 verses 17 to 18. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching. I love this translation. You know what? Every time I come to GTC, the standard is only getting increased. And there is despair in my heart. But you know what? I never want to stop coming. Yesterday, Pastor James was in one of the counseling sessions. He was telling, there is no shortcuts. Keep listening to the messages. Read your word. Listen to the messages. Align your mind with the way that God thinks. Come for fellowship. Come for breaking of bread. Meaning judge yourself constantly. And then pray. Do this over and over and over and over again. And more often even as you see the day approaching. And he says, thanks be to God that once you were slaves of sin, all of us were slaves of sin, right? Think about it, no? Today in the morning when I got up, I did not have to program myself to do wrong. Today I will speak a lie. I didn't say that. Automatically it came. Today I will not lust. didn't have to do that. I mean, today I will lust. I didn't have to program. Automatically it will come. I was a slave. <laughs> I was a slave. I'd no, nobody programs himself and says, today in the morning I'm going to sin. No, it automatically comes. Because we're all slaves. But you know what? The moment you want to become a slave to righteousness, he says, become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching. I love that. That is the reason why I love ESV. ESV is beautiful these days. I mean, I used to be an NKJV guy, but I... I think I found a holier translation. <laughs> Standard of teaching to which you were committed. You know, everything has been committed into your hands. Let me tell you something. Even as I am teaching, it is entrusted into your hands. That is, that is the reason why Paul tells to the deacons and the elders in the church, be good stewards of the mysteries of God, holding forth the stewards of the mysteries in a clear conscience. Stewards of the mysteries of God. You, sh- you will be Accountable for every teaching that you listen to. See? Standard of teaching. There's no shortcut, brothers and sisters. There's no way. It's not, not possible for us to become godly in one day. No way. Slow. Slow by process. Step by step by step. One stone at a time. One day at a time. 
obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching and to which you were committed and having been set free from the sin, have become slaves of righteousness. You see that? How do you become slaves of righteousness? You obey from your heart that form of, that standard of teaching that has been entrusted into your hands. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. And this requires suffering. Okay? God's purpose will be accomplished only through God's ways. And that is a process of suffering. If children, then heirs. Heirs of God. Fellow heirs of Christ. You are loved that and we stop at the full stop. We want to have a full stop over there, but there's only a comma. Provided. Ah, see, that's the reason why ESV is so beautiful. Provided we suffer with him. <laughs> then, in order that we may be glorified with him. For I consider, what? The sufferings. Of this present time, not worthy, comparing with the glory. See, that is the reason why our focus has to change from the temporal to the eternal. You see why? You see why Esau is not even mentioned? He's not even mentioned. It says, for a pot of stew, he sold his birthright. One pot of stew. And we also do that every time. One temporal pleasure. Gone. Sold. There is an incredible suffering when it won't be. I mean, and that, and that that is worth it. And it, God says, "I'm going to help you." That's not. I'm not saying that God. God's not saying that I'm not going to help you. I will be inside of you. He's going to give us the spirit of Christ. We talked about this sometime back. You can go and refer that later. Next exchange, possibly the most difficult for all of us, and therefore I put it at the last. Exchanging man's opinion. For God's. Oh boy. You know John's gospel chapter 5 verse 44 to 46. This is what Jesus has to say. Blunt. How can you believe? When you receive what? Glory from one another. And do not seek the glory that comes from God. That again the word doxo. Oh, that is the reason why it says in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, those who compare themselves with themselves, and he uses a euphemism, are not wise, means, are fools. <laughs> Simple, right? Those who compare themselves. See, we are all peer reviewers. <laughs> we like peer reviews, and peer reviews good. I'm not saying that it is not good, but there you are only concerned about God's opinion, not man's. Look at what he says. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, accuses you, Moses, on whom you have, you have set hope. For, for if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe me, believe his writings, how will you believe my words? In other words, you know what? Every time you read the scriptures, what comes to your mind? Does it come to your mind? Is God's opinion about me more important or world's opinion? Remember? That parable in, I mean, uh, parable of the Samaritan, we say that, Luke's Gospel chapter 10, the scribe will ask Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? You know what Jesus said? How do you read the scriptures? Oh, the greatest commandment, you know, A for the day. Love the Lord the God, etc. And love your neighbor for yourself. And he said, Jesus said, you answered very well, do it, and you will have eternal life. 
then it says the man wanting to justify himself he wants opinion from from Jesus right away he says who is my neighbor Jesus then he gets the story see you need to understand every time you read the scriptures what does it say about me when we talk about depth in the, of the knowledge of the glory of, of the understanding of scriptures doesn't mean that you understand the scriptures you understand yourself in the light of scriptures Look at what he says in John's gospel, chapter 6, verse 37. Powerful, powerful. Look at what he says. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe him. So that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us and to whom of the, as the, has the arm of the Lord revealed. Therefore, they could not believe. For Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, look at this. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him. But for the fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. See that? They loved. I want to know what... That's the ultimate. There's a bondage in that. You know that? It's an incredible bondage. Opinion of man is a great bondage which actually hinders our walk with the Lord. You know what Peter has to say about that? All flesh is grass. All the glory of the flower is... flower. A glory like the flower of grass. The grass feathers. The flower falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever. The opinion of man is ultimately going to end. So what does it mean to me? What does it mean to me? How do I practice that in my own life? James chapter 5 verse 13 to 16. This is a commandment. Is anyone suffering? Let him pray. Let them sing praise. Is anyone sick? Let him call the elders. Okay, etc. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another. God is okay. I confess to God. No, 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 no. What will he think? What about my reputation? I mean, I, I have the permission of John Ritchie to share. Okay. So I asked him. John Ritchie has a powerful testimony. He sits very quiet, but I know him. He came to us, you know, several months back before he got, before he was, after he was baptized. He was really convicted and he came to us and he opened up everything. I'm not going to go into the details. You don't have to know. Okay. Everything about his life. What he was, he just came to us and he just confessed. Something he hid at the first instant. And he went back. He confessed partially, not completely. And he went back. Several weeks later, he came to me and he said, Anna, sorry Anna, I did not tell you the complete truth. Ah, this is the complete truth. Everything about his life. I mean, this is amazing. No? I've, no, today, I, I had the opportunity to sit on his table and study for my word and I looked at his table, speak and span, you will see order in his life. I saw his assignment. Puts many engineers to shame by the way he wrote his assignment. 
You should see the room. Speak and span order. And I would say, bachelors, you go to his room and learn from him. And even married people who search for socks. Amazing. He said, come, everything. Straight, Anna, this is what I am. I love that. You know, it because it liberates me. When somebody comes and is open about himself, you know what, it gives me the boldness to be open about my life too. Incredible. That is the reason why when Jesus comes to the woman at the well, five husbands, sixth one, he, she tells everything to him and you know, she, after the instantaneously, the fear of man is gone. She runs to the town and he says, you know what? I have heard a man. He told me all about my past. No shame. Liberated. Powerful witness for the Lord. You know why? There's order beginning to get established in her life. You know why? Because she succumbed to the order of Jesus. He says, boy, in the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing covered up shall be, shall not be revealed or hidden that shall not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. What you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Isn't ESV powerful? Private rooms, chambers, whatever it is, God has taken a break. No, he never takes breaks. No one has a chew. Who's merely one outwardly. Or circumcision outward of the physical. But a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart. By the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. You know, this is incredible. This is a root of all sin. What is your opinion? Or what is God's opinion? These are the two things. That is the reason why it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 7, when the publicans and sinners heard Jesus, they justified God having been baptized in the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the tax and the Sadducees rejected the counsel of God against them, not having been baptized in John. You see that? Very interesting. There's a very, very important principle over here. Where does it begin? It begins in our hidden life. You see, exchange of glory happens there. The decisions are made in your private chambers. There. And nobody's watching. There you say, Lord, I give you glory here in my private life, Lord. In my private life, in the way I use my time, the way I use my money, the way I use my resources, everything, Lord. I want you to see it first. Uh, it's, an, it's an interesting thing. In the gospel according to Luke, the woman puts her two mites, right? And she comes out of the temple and everybody's boasting. And Jesus makes a very interesting statement. He says, you know what? Everybody here has not put more. That, that lady has put the most. Jesus' opinion matters. That woman has given her everything. And everybody comes out and he says, the disciples say, Lord, did you see this temple? You know how this temple was built? It was built because of the donations. Do you think the two mites will have anything to do with the church? You know what Jesus said? The days are coming. When everything which was built on the opinion of man will fall. 
Because the kingdom of God is not built on people's opinions. It is built on upon men and women who want to please God by giving their everything. It is not a matter of talk. It is a matter of power. Practicing a hidden life. Beware of practicing your righteousness. I love that, no? <laughs> Beware of practicing. ESV is beautiful, isn't it? I will just encourage you to read it. You'll get a beautiful rendering. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have your reward. No reward in heaven. You already have your reward. KJV will say. You already got it. You wanted opinion of man, you already got it. Your father which sees you in secret. Your father who sees you in secret. So what is our opinion about God today? Or rather God's opinion about us today? It matters. It matters. It's not that external opinion doesn't matter. No, no, it's not about that. But first it starts here internally. Ultimately, external and internal have to be the same. The word has to become flesh. Today we need to ask ourselves, Lord, how is my hidden life? I've exchanged. You see, the root problem is exchanging the glory of God for the glory of man. For things which do not profit. Shall we pray? I'll leave that with you. Just shall we pray this evening? All of us know it's very important for us to confess our faults. And if you don't have to do it with anybody, use wisdom and discretion. Go and confess with people whom you can trust. Church is also supposed to be a sort of people where you will be trustworthy. So people can come to you and confess. So that they'll go back encouraged and not condemned. Strengthened. Getting order into their lives. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you. And Lord, so many times, oh Lord, we have exchanged temporal things for spiritual so spiritual things were temporal. Forgive us. Forgive us. Lord, pray, pray, Father. Pray, Lord, that this evening, I pray, Lord, that each one of us will begin to examine our heart. Father, we are not, we have not arrived. I have not arrived. You have spoken to us not to condemn us, but to convict us. To bring us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Because you said a lot, Father, the glorious gospel, the glory of Christ. The gospel of the glory of Christ has been shed abroad in our hearts. Bringing us out of darkness into your marvelous light. I pray, Father, that every day, progressively, we will progressively move towards your light. Knowing, Father, that there is safety in your order. Thank you, Father. Commit each one of us into your hands. Plead the blood of Jesus over each one of our lives. Keep us by, the, by your power. In Jesus' name.